Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about season five, episode two, Bacon and Eggs. Kevin Bacon is a guest star this week. Yes, he is. And the plot is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> There's really no way to sugarcoat that. This one's, this one aged like milk, y'all. <laughs> Did not age well. Um, so before we talk about it any further, I just want to kind of stop and pause for a second to issue like a content slash trigger warning. We're going to be talking about stalking for like the rest of this episode. Yeah, it's, there's literally no way to get around it. Like, it is essentially the entire plot. Yeah, even like, once you get down to the C plot, there's like, still stalking elements. Yeah. And yeah. So fun theme, Will and Grace. Yeah, um... Super cool. So anyways, if that's something that you're not super awesomely prepared to listen to right now, that's okay. Turn this podcast off. Go for a walk. Pet a cat. Take a break. Drink a glass of water. Yeah, I mean, this is just one episode out of many. You're probably not missing that much. Yeah, if we do anything really funny when we record, we will just tell you about it the next time we record. We'll like release small clips that aren't, (laughs) aren't with stalking. Okay, so with that said, let's do the episode description. Sounds good. All right, so season five, episode two, Bacon and Eggs. After stalking actor Kevin Bacon, Jack lands his dream job when the unsuspecting celebrity hires him as his personal assistant and immediately assigns him to find out who's been harassing him. All right. Yeah, so I think you can pretty much see where that's going. Yep, so let's talk about the stalking. So... Basically, this is like a very TV version of stalking in which it is played for laughs. Right. We've actually kind of complained about this before on Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, although that was played, I, I shouldn't say more for laughs, but it was even more ridiculous, whereas this is like a le- more legitimate pairing of plots. But at the very end of season three, there's an episode called Last of the Really Odd Lovers. Yep. Um, it's one of the Armali Shannon episodes. It features Val stalking Jack instead of the other way around in this episode. And it also features a plot line where Nathan is exhibiting some stalking behavior with Grace. Yep, he's being really creepily persistent and showing yes. up to harass her. And it's one of those things where, like, the TV version of stalking butts up against the actual version of stalking that right. really usually exists out in the real world. And it's played for laughs, and the actual stalking plot line is not treated as if it is scary and terrifying. Right. And that is problematic as fuck. Right. So uh, we're doing it again, guys! Yay! But not really. Yeah. So basically, we've got Jack literally stalking Kevin Bacon, but the B-plot is that Leo is essentially stalking Grace. Mm-hmm. He is continuing his creepy persistence from the first episode of the right. season. He's showing up unannounced at her workplace and stuff to demand her attention, and it's really gross. And I... It is tough because you know that this show exists in a specific time period where this wasn't considered a problem, where some of this behavior was... You know, it's it seems funny that people stalk celebrities and act like lunatics, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not scary, it's romantic that Leo is really into Grace. Like, that is the, the cultural milieu that still exists today in many cases, mm-hmm. so it's not unrealistic to see it here in this setting. Yeah. Um, it just sucks. Yeah, it just really sucks. I mean, this is not, like, the world's most, like, reliable source on stalking, but, like, mm-hmm. I just quickly Googled, like, common signs of stalking, and sign number one is intensity. Like, they really are intensely, like, setting their sights on you. 
um, obtaining details about you before they're provided them. We've already seen Leo, like, go through Grace's wallet before. Right. And, like, another one is, like, they show up unannounced and off to do it when you already told them you had plans. Mm -hmm. And so Grace has consistently told this guy she is not interested, and yet he continues to show up at her place of work and stuff. So it's just, yeah. Right. Well, it's, you know... If Will and Grace was going to give examples of stalking, this episode and the previous one we've discussed are actually prime examples of like what people think stalking looks like and yep. what stalking actually is. Right. Because the the Jack plot line is like what you think of when you think of like a cartoon character stalking someone. Right. Um. But like, again, it's it's played for laughs. So basically, right. we've got Kevin Bacon who hires Jack literally because Jack knows the most about him out of the. Let let's let's step back. He hires Jack because Jack has climbed in his window. Yes. And luckily managed to fall in line with a bunch of people who, who he had actually invited over to interview for the assistant job. Right. And apparently, like, doesn't have any memory of the fact that there were only three applicants for the job. Admittedly, I totally buy that. Kevin Bacon is not the sharpest tool in the shed. Very true. But yeah, he's like, okay, now I want you all to tell me what you know about me. And then Jack proceeds to provide a bunch of really creepy stalkery details. And he's like, you're hired. The rest of you don't know me at all. Get out. <laughs> And the reason Jack is even there is because, yeah, he climbed through Kevin Bacon's window. And, okay, I don't want to be victim blamey at all. But if a celebrity actually did have a concern about stalking, first of all, they wouldn't hire an assistant. They would hire security. Right. Second of all, they would probably keep at bare minimum a screen on their ground level windows. Yeah. And so the fact that Jack is able to easily sneak into his house is... Very strange and unrealistic, I think. Well, and the other thing is that, like, as the episode ultimately reveals, like, much like Jack at the beginning of the previous episode, Kevin Bacon is actually kind of, like, worried that his stalker will stop stalking him because in Kevin Bacon's crazy mind, that means that that's when the fame is going away. Yep, because that's what Val Kilmer told him. Isn't wrong, but also isn't right. Right, I just, yeah, so... We have Kevin Bacon, who's deluded himself into believing that stalking is a desirable thing right. to prove that he is still a relevant actor. Right. Like, this fictional version of Kevin Bacon wants Jack McFarland across the street with the binoculars. Not in his house. In his uh, house is too much. Because, yep. you know, that's creepy. But happy to have him outside. Right. Yeah, and so then we have this really farcical thing where since Jack's job as the assistant is to find the stalker, he has to keep stalking Kevin Bacon to keep the job as the assistant. And then kind of when he gets sort of caught doing it, blames Will by like throwing his binoculars at Will. Mm -hmm. And then Will like spends a bunch of time trying to convince Kevin Bacon that he doesn't care enough about Kevin Bacon to stalk (laughs) him. And that's probably one of the few moments that was genuinely funny in this episode, I think. Yeah, like I mean... Kevin Bacon, for the fact that he's trapped in this terrible plot line, is really game for whatever. Yeah. And he and Will have some great scenes together. I mean, Will is basically in the room, and Kevin Bacon is basically saying, like, I know you're my stalker, please don't stop stalking me, but, like, be chill. Right, and Will And, like, you have to admit that you're the stalker. Right, and Will is like, I'm not the stalker. I understand it looks bad that I was in the bushes across the street with binoculars. Right. But really... I don't care enough about you. And so then Kevin's, like, Kevin Bacon, like, basically has this, like, sort of breakdown about how, like, once the stalkers stop, the fame ends. And so Will trying to, like, perk him up is like, well, I really liked you in Footloose. And Kevin Bacon's like, what other movies of mine did you like? And he's like, just Footloose. Just Footloose. (laughs) But, like, then they, like, do the Footloose dance together. And, like, that's what you want in a celebrity cameo is you want the celebrity to, like, riff on the thing that they're famous for with the characters of your show. Yeah, and I, I honest to God, I don't, 
Oh, I remember. So Will is really trying to like keep cheering him up. So he tells them all about how he did the Footloose dance yes. for like a high school um, talent show, and Kevin Bacon's like, "Do it for me right now!" And then proceeds to like clap on <laughs> the Footloose music. Yes. And so then, yeah, then Will and Kevin Bacon are dancing to Footloose, and it's really funny because throughout the entire episode, Jack has consistently. And inexplicably said that he really wants to dance with Kevin Bacon. And he mm-hmm. just stumbles upon Will and Kevin Bacon dancing. Right. And then proceeds to freak out and be like, I'm the stalker! How dare you like this stalker better than your actual stalker? <laughs> so then he's obviously fired. Right. Um, but again, Kevin Bacon remains like extremely chill and pro-stalker because of that, like the butt of the episode. We have a little post-credit scene. Mm-hmm. We see him come out to Jack to be like, Hey, buddy, how you, you doing? Cold. You looked cold. I brought you some cocoa. And so then Jack takes it and he's like, that'll be 50 cents. And then Jack's like, I, I don't have 50 cents. And then Kevin Bacon takes the cocoa back. Right. And goes back inside. And we're all left wondering why that was an episode of Will and Grace. <laughs> it's honestly, it kind of has more in common with like, it's very Seinfeldian, you know? Mm-hmm. Like where the characters are not good people and they do bad things, but everyone's kind of okay with it. Right, and that's not really the heart of this show. The heart of the show is that these are well-intentioned idiots. Right. There's a problem with having the romantic interest in the B-plot be Mm -hmm. the stalker. But there's even more of a problem with having one of the lead characters on the show being a stalker. Like, out of the four stalking plot lines that we've gotten between the A and the B-plots of this episode and the one in season three, Mm -hmm. this is the only one where one of our core four is a stalker. Yeah, they're not the victim of stalking. Right. And I mean, as as it turns out, everyone who is portrayed as a stalker on Will and Grace turns out to be not super great. Yeah, it just, I feel like, you know, this, like this really tarnishes Jack's character. And I feel like the writers don't seem to think that. They think it's it's legit that, right. and it's cute and a quirky thing. And they've offhandedly mentioned a few times that he stalks Kevin Bacon. Yes. But it's not funny. It's creepy as fuck. Well, and I think... I think this was one of the things about Jack and Karen as characters in general, um, is that sometimes they are not good people, but if they are not good people for more than a half second, it becomes uncomfortable. Right. Like, Karen says all things that are as bad as stalking Kevin Bacon all the time, but we don't have an episode where we actually see her putting children in cages right. and, like, locking them in our basement. Exactly. Like, we, we in this exact episode, we got an offhand comment about how she chained Rosario up outside for two days and didn't feed her, so she was really going to be feral to break up with what's his name. Right. But if we had seen that, if that was the plot of an episode, we would right. all be sitting here horrified. Right. And there's something to be said for not having those asides, but, like, Will and Grace has chosen that level of characterization for these characters. Right. These two characters are over the top. Mm-hmm. There's a certain level to which it can be let go. Right. And I mean, it's a certain level where you kind of hope they're being hyperbolic a little bit. And so, like, the idea of stalking Kevin Bacon kind of being like a joke is one thing. But then to actually physically see Jack stalk Kevin Bacon, it's not funny anymore. Right, right, exactly. It's not a hyperbolic example of Jack's, like, incredible fanboyness, but rather, like, a sign that Jack is probably, like, a little unstable and, like, seriously needs help. Right. I mean, and... While being unstable and needing professional help is not... A bad thing. Right. I mean, like, that's a valid character choice, but... It's not the choice the show is making. It's not the choice the show is making. Exactly. The show is displaying these character traits, and they're not coming to the conclusions of the character traits. They're coming to totally different conclusions, and that's the problem. One might even call them incorrect conclusions. I would agree. 
Speaking of incorrect conclusions, let's talk about Leo. Yeah, so um, just quickly, like, before we, like, really jump into the Leo thing, I do just kind of want to take a brief pause to talk about how, like, stalking is a serious violent crime, and we're not making jokes about it. Right. Um, so, like, stalking is, like, under the umbrella of, like, intimate partner violence. That's, that's, that's like, the same umbrella as, like, sexual assault and dating violence. Like, they're all kind of, like... Like, they're the big three of, like, ways in which often women are abused. Mm -hmm. Um, So just a couple of quick statistics from victimsofcrime.org. Like, 17.5 million people were stalked in one year in the U.S. I'm pretty sure these are from 2011. Um, 61% of the victims are female and 44% of the the victims are male. And they're usually stalked by current or former intimate partner. So an estimated 15% of women and 6% of all men have been the victim of stalking during their lifetime. So, like, this is a very serious crime that we're, like... Haha, ain't it cute? Well, and it's it's a crime that I think, as the B plot accurately, accidentally proves, is not identified as such sometimes by even the victims of stalking. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, especially when you look at societal like reactions to this sort of thing, like people really think Leo's cute here. He's paying so much attention to her. He's being so persistent because mm-hmm. he cares about her and he loves her. Right. But, like, also, that's creepy. Like, right. removed from, like, the potential romantic thing, if some dude who you met once on accident because you bumped your head, like, showed up at your job a couple of times, right? you would be like, holy shit, this is terrifying. But as soon as that guy is a hot guy who you might want to date, right. oh, now it's cute. Right. And it's not fucking cute. Well, and I think part of the problem is that Leo is being asked to work on two levels. He's being asked to be the romantic lead right. in general and like be a potential romantic partner for Grace. Which is not cool because of the way he's, of the way he's presenting it. Yeah. But in addition to that, he's also forcing Grace to decide whether or not she wants to have this kid with Will or continue trying to find the right guy. And I think in that respect, he could be presenting as a stalker and Grace could choose not to date him but decide, I want to date someone. Right. But the show is conflating those two goals. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. They're conflating the goals of, like, whether or not this baby is actually what she wants or if she wants a boyfriend and whether or not she wants Leo. Right. And instead they're making it, if I want a boyfriend, clearly I want Leo. And like, Exactly. Like, because she feels torn... She's like, maybe I want a boyfriend. She is making the logical leap that I am interested in this guy, who really she doesn't know much about. Right. And I mean, and then, like, the more he shows up, the more people kind of encourage her. And by people, I mean Karen. Right. And, like, so she's talking to Karen, and she says, like, the worst things about him are that he is a Jewish doctor. And it's like, no, Grace, the worst things about him are that you've told him no, like, several times (laughs) documented, and he keeps showing up anyway and finding weird excuses to be in your life. Right. Well, and I, I, I feel fairly confident, based on the information I have from the episodes we've already seen and the revival, that this guy is gonna get, like, the exact same treatment that Nathan did, where, like, He's really creepy. Then he's a viable romantic partner for, like, half of the time we see him on screen. Then all of a sudden, he's not viable anymore. Yep. I don't want to give spoilers, but yeah, that's basically the trajectory. And I just, I don't understand that. Especially because the non-viability never once connects back to the persistence in the pursuit. Yes, exactly. Like, with Nathan, we have, he's non-viable because he's weird. Yep. Not because he's stalking her, because he's just a weird person. Yep. Then somehow Grace is into the weirdness, yep. 
But then the reason he breaks up with her is because he's he doesn't want to be attached. He doesn't want to get married. Right, because he proposes to her and she says yes, says no, says yes, says no. And then by the time he comes up, he's decided he doesn't want to be with her anymore. Right. So that reason has nothing to do with the initial reason that she didn't like the character. So not only is there no link between the persistence and him not being a fitting partner, there's not even a link between the original reason you didn't like him Mm -hmm. and the reason the relationship doesn't work out. Right. And like... Here's what it would actually probably look like in a real world. So say this guy is really creepily persistent, but everyone around you tells you how cute that is. So you end up giving the guy a chance, and you date him, and you fall in love, and everything's great. And then the real reason this relationship will end is because this guy is probably going to become extremely possessive, Mm -hmm. extremely volatile, extremely angry. He might become violent. Mm -hmm. And even if he's not violent towards you physically, he'll probably be violent towards you emotionally and try to keep you away from other people because you are now his possession. And that's why that relationship would fail. It's because this inherent possessiveness that this guy has always shown will kind of like manifest into violence. And that's what would really happen here. But it's not what the show is going to show us. Right. Well, and to not go down this path, like there's a certain argument to be made that if the show was trying to make this actual argument, people like Will and Grace are naturally going to be in tune with people like that because they're already kind of codependent and they have a lot of issues to deal with. But that's neither here nor there because the show is nowhere near that level of understanding of human interaction and partner violence and dependency. Yeah, and The, the amount of emotional nuance the show would need to carry to like properly carry out an right. actual stalking to intimate partner violence like trajectory is right. not there. Like based on what we know about Grace, it doesn't surprise me that if this was a real person, she would end up with a lot of guys that are like this. Right. Because she has a lot of bad relationship habits. Mm-hmm. She's been trained to think that a lot of negative traits are positive traits. Yep. She doesn't have a support she well, she has a support system, but that support system isn't supportive in the way that she needs them to be. Right. She doesn't have the type of support system who would sit her down and be like, Grace, this guy is like really possessive of you and that's weird. Right. She has the sort of support system who would tell her how sweet that is. Well and she also has a support system who, once this relationship is revealed, is going to be mad at her for the relationship. Right. Because like, it's a totally different situation and won't be able to analyze that relationship as a whole. Right. They won't like we we kind of can see this coming already. Will is going to be angry she's chosen to go out with Leo in the first place so his he's not gonna look at that relationship critically mm-hmm. and see if it's actually good for Grace he's just gonna be too preoccupied with his own wounded feelings about the fact that she's broken the non-dating friend. right like this- and that's not to say that his feelings aren't valid it's just that he's not gonna be the type of friend to tell her man Grace this has nothing to do with our pact that guy is bad for you right like I feel like I, I have this foreboding that the whole season is gonna follow this path where like Will is going to be right but for the complete wrong reasons mm-hmm. and Grace is going to, like, they're just going to keep fighting about this. And they're not fighting about the right thing. And I think that's why plot lines like this are so frustrating, because Will and Grace is actually presenting a realistic situation, and they're not presenting it in the way that it would actually be. Right. They're presenting a realistic situation unrealistically. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. And they're coming to unrealistic conclusions about what is happening. Right. So, Yeah. That's just kind of frustrating, and that's sort of where we both mm-hmm. sat with this episode. Yeah. Which just being like, oh, cool, an episode about stalking. That's actually an episode about fake stalking. Well, and the frustrating thing is I am interested in the tension of Grace trying to decide, should I have this baby with Will, or should I keep trying to find, like, an actual partner? Right. Because but- Grace and Will are actually almost in a place in their lives where they could do this. They mm-hmm. shouldn't, clearly. But they could. But they could. 
But yeah, it's we don't really get to see that tension resolve naturally because mm-hmm. Grace is being pressured by both Leo and kind of by Karen right. to pursue this present romantic interest. Well, I'm, not to pursue the idea of whether or not she's ready to have a baby versus wanting to keep dating, mm-hmm. but rather to grab this guy right now. Yes, and that's the other thing, is that at the end of season four, there was a very clear sense that the tension was, are Will and Grace ready to have a baby? And is that what they actually want? Mm-hmm. And now, because there is an actual person, the, the conflict is moving. Like, yeah. the... There's an argument to be made that Will and Grace should independently decide that they are not ready to have a kid, A, and B, they're not good co-parents together. Right. Because they can't handle that... They can't put the kid above their own relationship. Right. And that's the thing that we've even seen so far with the pregnancy. So Grace takes the pregnancy test in this episode, and it doesn't... She's not pregnant. And we see that it becomes much more about Will and Grace... That yes. is about the potential child. Right. And we have this really creep, like, it's like, it's almost like a scary moment when they say they're going to try again. And Will is like, you know, by this time in two weeks, this little kid could be on the way. And you just kind of see Grace, like, start to freak out internally. Right. Like, the show is choosing to have this plotline where Grace thinks she doesn't want a kid because she wants this man. Right. But it's fine to have a plot line where she just doesn't want the kid. Right. It's it's afraid of that plot for some reason. Which is frustrating because we know that that plot's fine. We see the revival. She doesn't have a kid in the revival and Re- she is very happy and successful. Yeah. And it's actually because she's so bent out of shape about it in the past, it's kind of interesting and kind of cool to see that she's come to terms with it in the present. Right. Will is way more bent out of shape about not having the husband and not having the kid. Right. But Grace is like, it's not that she's perfectly content to be alone, Mm -hmm. but she's content with how her life has turned out. And it's sort of like, if she finds a partner, awesome. If not, that's okay too. Right. There's a very real sense of, she has recognized as she's gotten older that she didn't have it all, but she got a lot of the things she wanted and made sacrifices to get those things. Right. And And she's... Okay with those sacrifices. Like, I think you can make the argument that in the original ending of the series, the same thing happens. Like, Grace sacrifices many things to have the kid in the family. Right. Whatever those things are. You know what I mean? Like... It's Will. She sacrifices Will. She sacrifices Will. But, like, that's a sacrifice that she chooses to make. And just because the revival makes a different choice doesn't mean that... I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this other than to say that the show shouldn't be afraid of a decision mm-hmm. that it is kind of already in the process of making. Right. I mean, I think the thing that maybe you're hinting at is that both Grace choosing Leo and the kid and the family and giving up Will. Yeah. Or Grace choosing her career and having that friendship with Will and not having a family are both viable choices for Right. Her. And I guess the thing I'm saying is that it's frustrating to watch this because clearly the show does realize that eventually. Mm-hmm. At, the, at, at some level, the show realizes that Grace can be a character who makes sacrifices, and that's okay. Yes. But right now, it just is in this very muddy water. Mm-hmm. And instead of making choices and sacrifices that actually make sense to her, she's sort of, like, throwing the baby out with the bathwater right. to get with this random-ass guy. Right, exactly. Who's, again, I just want to reiterate, stalking her! <laughs> He's stalking her! <laughs> It's not cute. It's not romantic. He is showing up at her workplace when she has explicitly told him she is not interested. Right. Ugh. Okay, sorry. That was my rant. I just, I, yuck. Guys. Aged like milk. Well, I think the other frustrating thing with this episode is that 
not even in the C plot do we find any relief from how frustrating and bad this episode is. No, because it's just so Karen's breaking up with her mistress. Right. Which is still a thing that's happening somehow. Because even though it seemed like the only reason she got with this dude in the first place was because she missed Stan, and now Stan's back, but she's still kind of dating this dude. Well, and I was I was kind of doubly frustrated because at the beginning of the episode, we kind of get a quick tell-don't-show where she explains like, oh yeah, Stan came back, but don't worry, I got Lionel out the door by just gesturing with my boobs, you know. Uh-huh. And it kind of seems like that's going to be the end of it, but then you still have this plot line where she's trying to break it off with Lionel. Right, and, like, it involves Rosario, and then Rosario sleeps with Lionel, and it's right. just, like, you think that, okay, so Rosario has now slept with the guy you were sleeping with. You could probably call it done. Yeah. But no, we still have to have the breakup scene for reasons. I, yeah, I just... Yeah. <sighs> I, I don't even have anything else to say about that plot line, except that it just shows a fundamental lack of understanding of what Karen's motivations were literally last episode. Yeah, man. I don't if, know. If not even last season. like It sort of feels like the writers all got drunk. Yeah. In between these two. And this is the hangover episode. We're like, ah, fuck it. Well, and, and we said this last week. Like, Karen trying to discover herself as a sexual being beyond Stan is an interesting plot line. Mm-hmm. But Karen having a straight up affair isn't. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think there's that much more to say about that. And no. Unfortunately, I feel like this plot line is not yet over, and we're just oh. going to have to suffer through it. God, I hope it is. Well, I just, I want Karen, even though Stan is an unseen character and this can't happen, like, I feel like Karen and Stan need to come to some actual, like, resolution on the whole, like, you went to prison, then you got to go to prison some more, now you're mysteriously not in prison. Also, I've slept with a guy a bunch of times. Like... Yeah. I know that that won't happen, or at least will happen on screen, but that is a frustrating tension. Yeah. That will just never be resolved. Speaking of unresolved tension, I, I think that's it. I think that's the rest of the episode. Yeah. I think we're done. Matthew, do, <laughs> do you want to tell people where they can find us on the internet? Yeah. If, if you want to talk to us about the unresolved tensions of this episode, you can find us online. The best place to do so is on Twitter. You can find us at Not a Couple Show on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook. You can send us an email at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment on our postings on iTunes or Podbean. Um, yeah. That's or it. Tumblr. Yep, you can also find us on Tumblr. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's pretty much it. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our We Hate Stalking content. <laughs> um, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And we'll be back next week with more Will and Grace. All right, I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not A Couple. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week's episode of Not A Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Meow. Hi, Eliza. Don't have to do cat dip while we're recording, okay? This episode was brought to you by... The glorious knowledge that Grace will eventually divorce Leo and we won't have to see him anymore. Yay!